0: Welcome back to another Yak Podcast. We're continuing our series on apologetics this week. Uh, We ended up splitting um, the teleological argument up into two weeks um, just because there's so much material. So this is week one um, where we look at the teleological argument um, and in its relation to the universe as a whole. We're going to come before you right now and we're going to Wrestle with things in our head. Uh, Lord, you've given us hearts which feel compassion and mercy for our, our uh, co dwellers here on this planet. Uh, Lord, you've given us hearts that uh, respond to guilt and sin either by hating you or by falling at your feet at the cross. But Lord, you didn't just give us hearts, you gave us wills. Lord, you gave us a desire to do right and wrong which we have to control with our heart, and Lord, the other thing you gave us, which is our mind. And Lord, as we dive into this topic, which is really mind-heavy, Lord, may this be the anchor for our hearts and the compass for our wills as we make decisions in life and as we um, navigate the waters of the Christian faith. As we interact with those who are outside of it, Lord, may these be tools that we can use to knock down barriers and present the gospel to them. That they would come to know you in a mighty way, Uh, Lord, that we would use your word, um, which is like a lion and just needs to be uncaged. And Lord, may that work mightily into the hearts of our friends, our unbelieving family. And Lord, may this anchor the faith uh, that we have come to know deeply within our hearts, within our wills and within our minds, Lord. In our son's name, amen. Isaac Newton, gravity, implicitly confirmed the validity of the theological argument when he marveled at the design of our solar system. He said this, he wrote, the most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. William Paley made the argument famous with his watchmaker argument, and that's... Something like this. You're walking on the seashore, and you see a watch, a pocket watch, on the sand, and you pick it up. And then if you go, wow, look at what the waves created. Because you open up the pocket watch, and there's moving parts, and it's all in function, and you wind it up, and it works, and it, and it follows a pattern of a sun, and somehow follows, oh, it's the same, the sun's about the same spot in the sky each day, if you didn't know what a clock was. None of you would look at a watch and think that ah, this is the craziest invention a tornado ever created. None of you would do that. It's, you would call that foolishness. And Paley made an argument very similar. He said, "If you look at a, if you look at the complexities of the universe, we're going to get to also later the complexities of a single-celled organism. If you look at these complexities, man." They're all wound up just perfectly to where it's all interlocking and working. And it's really one, really, 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 to a long number of numbers, coincidence, or something designed it. Okay? We're going to talk about some of these principles tonight. Scientists are now seeing that our universe is much like a Rolex except that the universe is even more precisely designed than a watch. We call these precise and interdependent environment conditions anthropic principles. We're going to go through several tonight. Okay. So if you want to take a note, I'll give you an anthropic constant. So anthropic, let me write that down for you. Anthropic concepts. I'm going to go through 10. That's it. If you wanted me to go through all of them, we'd be here for a very, very, very long time and you see that. Anthropic Constant 1, oxygen level. The Earth oxygen comprises 21% of the atmosphere. That precise figure is an anthropic constant that makes life on Earth possible. If oxygen was at 25%, so right now it's at 21 if it's at twenty five, there's so much oxygen that fires would erupt spontaneously. Makes life a little difficult. Especially if you catch fire. And oxygen were fifteen percent human beings would suffocate. We're in a very happy middle spot. Okay. Anthropic constant too. Atmospheric transparency. If the atmosphere, so let's say it again, atmospheric transparency. If the atmosphere were less transparent, not enough solar radiation would reach Earth's surface. We actually need radiation for nutrients in the soil. If it were more transparent, we would be bombarded with solar radiation. Further, nitrogen, oxygen, carbon dioxide, and ozone are all more anthropic constants. So, not only just the level of transparency within our own zone, but the ozone itself is an anthropic constant. The amount of nitrogen, the amount of carbon dioxide, those are all anthropic constants as well. We're literally on the edge of a pen. Anthropic constant number three is based on my friend Luna, it's about the moon. Moon-Earth-Gravitational Interaction. If the interaction of the moon were more, tidal effects on the oceans, atmosphere, and rotational period would be too severe for life to happen. So again, if the interaction with the moon were more, tidal effects on the oceans, atmosphere, and rotational period would be too severe for life to happen. If less, orbital changes would cause climatic instabilities. Either way, life is impossible. We literally need that yo yo that's going around the planet. And we need it exactly where it is at the perfect directory and the way it follows us. We need it perfectly. Number four is wicked. It's called gravity. Only use show turns, people will get that joke. Okay? <laughs> Yes, The two of us. Aha. It was funny. If you would have been here on Wednesday night, me and uh, Alec randomly busted into um, uh, a wicked number. It was wonderful. It was great. It's a good show. Gravity. Um, it couldn't be any different for life to exist here on the Earth if it changed by zero to the thirty-six power so 1 to the 36 power that's 1 with 36 zeros that followed it our sun would not exist and neither would we it's a lot of zeros okay so here are, those are the basic four okay so again anthropic constants number 1 is oxygen level Number two is atmospheric transparency. Three is moon-earth gravitational interaction. And four is gravity. There are more than 100 very narrowly defined constants that strongly point to an intelligent designer. Those are the four I want you to be aware of. Here are 10 quick more. Okay? I'm just going to read them in succession. You can listen. Okay? The centrifugal force of planetary movements did not precisely balance the gravitational forces. Nothing could be held in orbit around the sun. So it's got to be going at such a pace. The gravitational forces around the sun have to be going at such a pace that actually holds it in place. If it's any faster, it spins out of control. If it's any slower, it doesn't spin at all. If the universe had expanded at a rate of one millionth more slowly than it did, expansion would have stopped and the universe would have collapsed on itself before any stars had formed. If it expanded faster, then no galaxies would have formed. So again... Expanded at a rate one millionth more slowly than it did. What do I mean by that? That's a one with a million zeros after. Not a million. I'm talking a million zeros. <coughs> okay? Um, man, what was the thing on that? Do I discuss it later? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't want to jump my notes. Any of the laws of physics can be described as a function of the velocity of light, now defined as 299,792,458,000 <clears throat> meters per second. Even a slight variation in the speed of light would alter the other constants and preclude the possibility of life on Earth. So just the speed of light vary. If water vapors in the atmosphere were greater than they are now, a runaway greenhouse effect would cause temperatures to rise too high for human life. If it were less, an insufficient greenhouse effect would make the Earth too cold to support human life. Even water levels are dead on. If Jupiter were not in its constant orbit, the Earth would be bombarded with space material. Jupiter's gravitational field acts as a cosmic vacuum cleaner, attracting asteroids and comets that might otherwise strike Earth. It's our vacuum cleaner. Next time you look up at Jupiter, go. Thank you. Okay. There was a really, really cool. It must have been when I was like seventh grade, 1998, 1999. I remember when all those um, asteroids struck into Jupiter and you could see it? Um, you could look online. Asteroids at Jupiter. It was right, you know, five, ten years before YouTube. Um, you can see probably the videos. That was when I was you couldn't see it but they had a um, telescope trained on Jupiter uh, and you saw the explosions when the I mean it was either a comet or a huge asteroid that hit it And it yeah. would boom 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 okay. if the thickness of the earth's crust were greater say we're talking deep dish and we're talking um, thin crust here okay if the thickness of the earth's crust were greater too much oxygen would be transferred to the crust to support life If it were thinner, volcanic and tectonic activity would make life impossible. If the rotation of the Earth took longer than 24 hours, temperature differences would be too great between night and day. If the rotation period were shorter, atmospheric wind and velocities would be too great. The 23-degree axis tilt of the Earth is just right. If the tilt were altered slightly, surface temperatures would be too extreme on Earth. If the atmospheric discharge lightning rate were greater, there would be too much fire and destruction. If there were less, there'd be too little nitrogen fixing in the soil. You need nitrogen for plants. Ten. If there were more seismic activity, much more life would be lost. If there were less, nutrients on the ocean floors and the river runoff would not be cycled back to the continents through tectonic uplift. Those are ten. There's over a hundred. Astrophysicist Hugh Ross has calculated the probability that these and other constants, hundred and twenty-two in all, would exist today for for any planet in in the universe by chance. No divine design. So here's what he said. Assuming there are 10 to the 22nd power planets. So we're assuming 10 to the 22nd power number of planets in our known universe. Again, that's 10 with 22 zeros after it. It's a lot of planets. Or if we're assuming that. Then there there is one chance to have all these 122 constants meet up. There is one chance, and 138th power, that one of these planets actually exists. Right? Mind you, this 10 to the 70th power is the number of atoms in the known universe. I know like it doesn't look like a big number and I wish I could literally write out the zeros on the board for you but we'd be here all night I just want you for all the constants to work you need this number and this is what we have when it comes to number of uh, planets in the solar system I mean not solar system, planets in the universe and this is the number of atoms like the chances of it are slim. I see all these, it bothers me to no end because it's all it is is click. When you go on the internet, they give you you know, uh, um, headlines to make you click stuff. It's like, there might have been a new habitable planet discovered. When they say that, they mean that the planet falls within the Goldilocks zone of a sun. So it's in that perfect, just right location when it comes to orbit. Okay, you got one of the 122. There could be aliens there. There could. It's possible. But do we believe things that are possible? No. We believe things that are probable. It gets tons of clicks on Fox News and CNN and MSNBC. And every futurist on the Discovery Channel is super excited by the possibility. But if we just look at the numbers, the statistical numbers for the chance of life arising on our Earth, and that's the only place we know that life exists, then it's ridiculous to think that, well, maybe it could happen somewhere else in the galaxy too. Maybe it's possible, but the math just doesn't add up to it. I mean, the fact is, we're really, really lucky that we're here. If it's by chance. It's possible. I hate that word now. Every time I do apologetics, I'm just so sick of the possible. Nothing is impossible. If you try, you'll be sure to work it out. Unless you're an astrophysicist and you can't have other places to live in the galaxy. Um, Just, yeah. Nobel laureate Arno Penzias put it this way. Huh? Penzias. Puts it this way. Astronomy leads us to a unique event. A universe which was creative out of nothing and delicately balanced to provide exactly the right conditions required to support life. In the absence of an absurdly improbable accident, the observations of modern science seem to suggest an underlying, one might say, supernatural plan. So how do atheists respond? We talked about this a little last week. Multiply the universes and we can find one that has our anthropic consti- constants. Enter the multiverse, multiple universe theory, or the multiverse. Okay. Again, I talked about it last week. It gets a lot of play on the Sci-Fi channel. It gets a lot of play in movies. we yes, Through the wormhole. Through the wormhole. Um, I actually started watching Flash this week. Ooh. Your show's up there too. Yeah, great show. So, just watched the first episode last night. So so far, like, so far behind. I know. I have children. I don't have time. <laughs> okay. Multiverse. This is like the Labrador of the scientific community. Like everyone likes it and has one and likes it to lick them. Um, I know it's silly. Everyone likes labs. You ever met someone that's like, I hate labs. No, everyone likes labs. Labradors. <laughs> Def- Definitions. This is the definition of the multiverse. There are actually an infinite number of universes in existence, and we just happen to be lucky enough to be in the universe with the right conditions. Given an infinite number of universes, these atheists say, every set of conditions will occur, including a life-supporting universe. Here's a problem. First problem. There's no evidence for it. There are mathematical calculations that point to a possibility, but you can't see it, you can't touch it, you can't feel it, you can't taste it. Um, And then another fifth one. You can't do those things. There's no... You can't, we can't put it in a test tube and be like multiverse. Um, it just doesn't. Two. We discussed this a little last week. Cannot be an infinite number of finite things. It's a rational impossibility. There can't be an infinite number of finite things. That means there can't be an unlimited number of limited universes. Even if other universes could exist, so sure, we'll grant it to you. There would be need fine-tuning to get started just as our universe did. Recall extreme position of the Big Bang we discussed last argument. So it doesn't eliminate the need for a designer. What the multiverse does is it multiplies it. Suddenly I need a designer for a multiverse creator. Yes? On the finite thing, could that, could you kind of, would it be acceptable to say there's an asterisk by that? Just because, isn't it impossible to destroy matter, only change its shape? So would that make that possibly? Well, it's still not an infinite number. The universe is not infinite. The universe is not infinite. Yeah, the true. number of matter in the universe yeah. is not infinite, so i be asking. Does that make sense? Yes. So we're in a bubble, all the stands in the tube, we can flip it to change its position. Yes. That's it. Okay? The multiverse theory is so broad that any event can be explained away by it. For example, if we ask why did those planes hit the World Trade Center on the Pentagon? We need not blame the terrorists. The theory lets us say that we just happen to be in the universe where those planes, though they appear to be have flown deliberately into a building, actually hit the building by accident. All bad acts are off the hook because given an infinite anything is possible based on infinite chance. Thanks for listening to the Yak Podcast. I hope you enjoy our uh, series on apologetics. If you want more information on Yak, you can visit us at cccfrisco.org. I hope you'll join us again soon.